Well, our next presentation is going to be a panel and leading our panel is Glenn Lord, one of our great friends, and he is the co-creator of Walking Through Grief. Uh, he has the Grief Toolbox, and also he has been um, president of the board of the Compassionate Friends. And uh, Heidi and I have known Glenn for years, and he and his wife, Tanya, are some of our besties. So he's going to do a panel on parent loss panel. Thank you, Glenn, and it's so good to see you today. So I have two members of my panel, and um, first one I want to introduce is uh, Dr. Jill Harrington, um, a licensed clinical social worker and a bereaved adult daughter who suffered the loss of both of her parents in 2015 and 2016 to back-to-back life-limiting illnesses. In 2021, she was the lead creator and editor of the creative textbook using modern-day superhero narratives to teach the principles and concepts of thanatology and to provide support to the bereaved, Superhero Grief, the Transformative Power of Loss, published by Rutledge and co-edited by Dr. Robert Niemeyer. Did and by the way, Glenn, I have a chapter in there. I know, she told me, congratulations. Yeah, I'm proud of it, it's an awesome book. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's in the wake of loss of both of her adult um, children's re-storytelling journey of love, so thank you. And uh, my other participant is um, Reverend Al Johnson, and uh, Al is married to Vicki Johnson. Together they have three children, two alive, Hannah, Ben, um, Hannah, who got Ben, Zachary, and uh, one in heaven, Nicholas. Nicholas died in 1989 from leukemia. Al is an Episcopal priest who served many years in a par as a parish priest and now serves on Bishop uh, Sean Rose staff in the Partnership Diocese of the Northeast Pennsylvania and Western New York area. Al has spent countless hours with bereaved parents over the years, and most especially with bereaved parents of sports ex exploring spirituality and grief. Al volunteers with the local um, Barrington County Fire uh, Prevention District, as well as with the above and beyond Family Recovery Center in Chicago. He is author of the recent publication, Grief Set Free, a memoir. By the way, that's a great book, and I also have given him a testimonial for it. Hey, Al. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you all. And so the three of us are here today to, um, to talk about what it means to, to lose a parent. And um, in, in our case, we had had some discussions kind of preparing for all of this. And so, you know, Jill, when we were preparing for this segment today, you were shared with me that you feel as if losing your parents in adulthood um, has been an experience of disenfranchised grief. Um, can you help maybe explain what you mean by that? Sure, so thank you, Glenn. Um, so as you said, I had lost both my parents in 2015 and 2016 back to back. They were 72 and 73 years old. Um, both native New Yorkers. Um, in that summer too, what I failed to actually share as well was that the babysitter who had become part of my family, Ashley, died suddenly, I would say suddenly, of leukemia. She had a very quick onset of leukemia and died within four to six months. And I was on my way to go visit her when she died at the hospital in Cincinnati. And then I turned around that summer and was caring for my father who was on hospice care for two months and at, at his home. Um, I say that being, being a bereaved child in adulthood comes with a lot of like 
disenfranchised statements. It's almost like the invalidation starts, you know, just a couple of weeks after your parents have died. I mean, to me, I still feel like a child has lost your parents. Now, granted, I, I am in this world without them. It feels sometimes really foreign at times. I just came back from New York where I was born and raised. And every time I look at the skyline driving into the city and to Long Island, instead of it bringing a sense of joy to me, I feel an immense sense of sadness. Um, I have sadness for the fact that, you know, I passed Rockaway Beach where my father lived. My parents had been divorced and it's a, this is a whole nother webinar, but then they got back together later on in life. And so they had this beautiful kind of reconciliation. They're buried right next to each other at, at um, Holyrood in Old Westbury, New York, or in Westbury, New York. But, you know, it started several weeks or months right after where people are trying to kind of say, you know, you're an adult, you've had your, your parents your whole life. So, you know, pick up your bootstraps and kind of march on. And it starts with the at least statements. You know, people often say to me, well, at least you didn't lose a child. How do you know that? How do you know maybe I didn't have another kind of loss? Maybe I lost a child as a miscarriage. At least you didn't lose them at a younger age. At least you didn't lose them suddenly. And so all these kind of invalidating statements start sort of right away. Because you're supposed to lose your parents. And we know that. We know that, that as we age, and as we live longer, as T'Challa says, as the Black Panther says to his young son, T'Challa, on the ancestral plane in the movie Black Panther, when he says, I'm not ready to be without you, his father's response was, a man who has not prepared his children for his own death has failed as a father. And I feel like my parents did prepare me for their deaths, but it was really, really hard to lose them back to back. And you know, people kind of go on with their lives a several way. We know that, we know that, that that happens after death. But, you know, the death of my parents, was it a cataclysmic event in my life? Did it bring me down to my so broken open that I couldn't pull myself up? No, but it was a very seismic event in my life. I've lost a whole piece not only of my my own identity and my family and the two people i really loved and had a close relationship with my parents stepped in i had almost a cataclysmic event in my early 30s when i was widowed suddenly with two children a 10 year old and a six-year-old who has autism and if anyone's lost a spouse in or, or a partner or has had to raise children by themselves in a younger year, your, your parents sometimes, not always, not always, because our attachment to people, we know grief and attachment are intertwined. And some people don't have a close relationship with their parents. Some people don't have a close relationship with their child. Some people have closer relationships with our friends, but we know that, that it's kind of axiomatic. It's, it's double-edged that it, love and pain coexist when you love somebody. The loss that you feel there, that pain is telling you about the love and where it has nowhere to go, but you're in a sense fortunate to have it. So those kind of statements sort of start and then all these secondary losses, like who am I now? Um, am I still a daughter? The holidays for me changed drastically. I spent every Christmas Eve with my mother. So, you know, 
also the person who loved and nurtured me. There hasn't been anyone that sort of has stepped in. And for my children, they became even closer to my parents. And they lost not only a, a, a babysitter figure who was like an older sister to them, but both, um, both sets of grandparents within a year. And I just remember feeling so heavy. I couldn't get out. I couldn't really process or negotiate or learn or be in this dual process because I was just shifting from one parent to the other. And I know people sometimes say, at least you were there to help them through their deaths and comfort them. And I, I do believe that that is an opportunity for us to say things and be in the presence of people when they die naturally. But death is ugly. It's ugly. And it has its own horrors that come with it and helplessness. And so on the flip side of that, because I'm expected to lose my parents and I'm expected to go into adulthood, it doesn't necessarily take away the feelings that I feel like a child at times who's lost a parent. And as you go on, it's not as if people, you know, Mother's Day, it is such a sad day for me and Father's Day. People don't reach out to me and say, but one person just to say, hey, how you doing? How's Mother's Day for you? So I feel like losing your parents in adulthood comes with this expectation that it's supposed to happen, but you're not supposed to, in a way, feel like a child who has lost a parent. Yeah, I think that's very, very true. Um, and I think it actually leads into kind of the reality of, of my world too, in terms of um, my mother died. Um, and two years later, my father died. Well, when my mom died, she had had a very long-term illness of about 20 years and it had been debilitating. And um, although her actual death was, a, was meaningful to me, I had been losing her progressively for years. And um, in many ways, her death was um, one of the easier close deaths to me because I had we had, we had said our goodbyes and, and I was ready for her to go and she was ready to go. And, and I'm not that I don't miss her and love her and everything else, but she was in such pain and the world was just really a bad place for her. Um, however, when my father died um, two years later, it was very complicated for me. He died um, one week after my sister died. Um, he died on the night of her funeral. And so um, I it's hard for me to even separate out the two. However, um, when my father died, it wasn't expected. He was 71 years old. Um, I, his father lived to be 98. I had no expectation that he would die anytime in the near future. To me, he was going to be something that I had many more years to be together with. And um, when he died, my world completely changed. I actually became the oldest member of the generation in my family. So my position completely switched. So I can really relate to what you're talking about, about that identity of kind of understanding who I am. And it, it, um, I still feel like right now today, there are all these things that I didn't even know I should have been talking to my dad about. And he did prepare me for the fact that he would die, but he didn't prepare me for what it meant for me to be in my 50s or for me to be in my 60s or for me to be, you know, having children who are now thinking about taking on wives of their own because I have two other sons. Um, and so it's just one of these things that I found um, added to all of the pain. And then when you, like you pointed out, um, I, you know, I, I'm a bereaved father. And when I tell people about my son who died, 
um, even though it's 20 years later, for the most part, people understand that a child is part of your life forever. And even though there can be that moment when I, I feel like they don't understand at times, in general, it, it is part of what people see. But what they don't see is that, um, you know, my dad's been you know, gone now for five years and it's not supposed to be part of my life. It's supposed to be something I'm over and moved on. And in reality, it's not. It's something that I, I, it still affects me. And I still find myself wanting to pick up the phone and ask for his advice. I still want um, his approval. I still want him to um, help direct me with where I'm going. And I very much relate to that, that pain. And I also very much agree that um, there was a lot of support for my parents' deaths until about 24 hours after the funeral. And that's about when it, when it changed. And so that was about how long that the, the world was okay with that. And um, it was very difficult to have people understand that uh, you had used a word when we were, when we were preparing for this that I had never really thought about, but um, to be orphaned as an adult is an interesting concept. Um, Al, I wanted to ask you a question. You had, um, you know, you you have had two losses that are kind of on the opposite ends of the scale. You had your uh, son Nicholas uh, Alvin um, die, and your father at seven, and your father uh, Alvin Carl die at eighty-five. Does the age of the person matter when it comes to the grieving process? I think you're muted, Al. Yes, uh, thanks for the question. I, um, I really tuned into a couple of things just before I get to the answer. One is uh, when, um, Jill, you talked about uh, expected, the expected, because the adults are over, older. And I remember in the first church I served my grandfather, who is the first Alvin, I'm the third, my son was the fourth. Um, when he died, and I told the, the parish, and somebody said, well, how old was he? And I said, well, he was 88. And they said, oh, well, he had a full life. And I remember thinking, you know, yeah, I get it. I, and then, then it came to me that I think what the expectation was is somehow it wouldn't hurt as much. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that may be the case, but it's kind of like back to what you were saying before. I mean, how would anybody really know that? And it's probably more a, com a, a comment made for the comfort of the person saying it versus uh, the comfort that would come to me. And, and then, Glenn, when you were talking about not only being in, both to talk about being an orphan, but also about wanting to ask questions of my dad and mm -hmm. how very true, how very true that is. And so uh, I do miss that sometimes. And although I might, in my own mind, uh, write an answer, write the question and then write the answer that he might give, uh, boy, there's so many things now in my 60s I wish he might not have been here anyway, but it would have been nice to be able to ask him in person versus um, later. So my dad died in uh, 2005, and uh, he was 85, and it was, although he was older, it was unexpected. Uh, and my son died in 1989, um, and uh, I'd have to say realistically that was, ex that was expected. And uh, at that time, kind of capturing a little bit what you said, Jill, people said, well, there's nothing worse in the world than, uh, than, than the pain of the death of a child. And being in the midst of that pain, uh, when those statements were being made, it's like, oh, absolutely, there can't be anything worse. But over time, over time, I've come to realize that um, we have a tendency uh, to make just about everything in America competitive. And we can even make pain and pain, pain uh, experience competitive. And so I thought, 
Well, well, who's to say? Somebody came in to see me shortly after he died and talked about their dog dying. And, um, and I thought, well, you know what? I don't get that. Well, years later, it's like, who am I to judge whose person's pain is worse or not? So uh, we all have the experiences. We all have pain. And it's more important that I understand my, my own experience of pain and also take the time to understand what somebody, what somebody else's is. So what I, what I experienced when one died and then the, uh, the son died and then the father died was I experienced a profound sense of being alone. And um, I didn't have the same pain uh, when my dad died that I did um, uh, with my son, but what they both contributed to was, uh, you know, this wasn't the vision I had. And so uh, I, felt, I felt alone. I felt alone in that particular place. I think you hit the nail on the head is that, you know, we're so quick. I often say that the grief Olympics, you know, so whose pain is worse or whose pain is more intense. I mean, if somebody had a physical accident or injury and they were in pain, we're able to see it a little bit more, but we, would we say to them, well, at least you weren't like all broken up in that accident. Like what, what is it that we don't comfort people by just being able to say something to them? Like, how are you doing? What does this mean to you? I mean, I have both a client and a student who their their parents were their world. So my my student who lost her father when she was 30, her father was, and she has no children and not married, her exceptionally close to her father. And then I have a client who's in her 50s who um, never married and lived with her parents. They have more of a sort of this communal relationship. It's the way their culture is and they live together. And both her parents died within four months. And people were so easy like to just just dismiss her pain. Like why can't we just acknowledge if people are in pain that it, it hurts. It hurts. We have to somehow classify it into this hierarchy. Right. Yeah, I agree. At, at least is a very minimizing statement. I mean, once you say at least, you're you're minimizing it. And I think the reality is is that uh, all grief is just that it's grief, and all grief is very personal. And um, you know, for me, um, for the longest time, my son's loss was clearly my largest loss in my life. But I would argue right now that my effect of my father's loss is actually greater on me at this moment in time, um, in terms of my my impact of how I feel with it all. But that's a personal thing. It's and so I think it's very much, you know, what is you know, what is the greatest loss? The greatest loss is your greatest loss. And that and that's and that's uh where where I think all of that goes. Um one of the questions I had though is because I, I I've really been thinking a lot about that. You know, Jill, when we were talking, you mentioned, you know, you kind of said you said, well, I was orphaned in in, in later life. And and I wanted to ask the question to to both you and Al to kind of say, um, all of us happen to have lost our parents in in later life. We were all full fledged adults functioning when we lost our, when we lost our parents. Um, and orphaned is traditionally used for someone who loses their parents under the age of eighteen. Um, is there a difference when someone loses their their parents earlier in life versus losing them in in midlife when when, when we kind of all lost ours? I think there is a difference in in a way it can be so and different doesn't mean better or worse or it just means it's different there's different influencing issues and i think when a, a you're under the age of 18 we tend to forget that family kind of serves as a means of protection in this world this world is not an easy place 
This world is a lot full of a lot of pain, horror, and suffering. And our family serves as our parents in a way, serve as protection for us, hopefully, um, to protect us from harm, to, um, to nurture us and raise us in the world, to show us the ways in which to live and survive. We tend to think that life is not about survival. What we're seeing going on right now in the world, and we've seen in the world how you know the atrocities of the world can happen. Um, I think a, a child that loses a parent at a young age, and I could speak of it as someone who's raised children, that they parents help us form not only an identity, but serve in a way to, and, and, and again, I want to caveat this with everybody's relationship with everyone in their life, whether it's kin or friends, is different. Some are more meaningful to others and some less meaningful. But I'm talking about, you know, fairly good relationships with parents and parents serve as under that role of educator, um, protector, um, trainer, <laughs> and to kind of help a child leap out into the world. So I didn't feel, I felt I had all those tools by the time I was 45 years old and I had had that guidance and that protection from my parents. So I do think um, it, it is different. My own children now not knowing their father, my son particularly who has autism, it's something that you know, not knowing somebody, losing a, a parent in adulthood, in childhood, it's something that kind of adds to his grief a lot because he wonders who this person was and he could only learn about him through stories that I tell him or through other stories. And so it's another layer for him to have to negotiate in his grief. Yeah, I think what it reminds me of is I think it is different as ages is that um, like I, you know, when our, when our son died, our daughter was two and a half and she had, uh, when she got to age seven, she needed to, she processed his death again. When she got in her teenage years, she processed the death again. When she gets to 20 and again, when she gets married again, and there's every time she's, um, as she ages and mature, she, she, she doesn't go back. She moves forward into what does that experience mean for her life right now? Now, I think this is a total projection on my part, but I would think that if my parents had died at a young age, that would have been my experience, I would have tried to, to um, process that, that loss uh, every, at, at every time I grew and did something different or celebrated some great time. I mean, when my son got married two years ago, uh, Zachary, um, I missed all of my family. I missed all of them. Now, I just want to comment on one other part of this, though, that um, my, my parents did live to be, uh, I think, considerably my dad, 85, my mom was 93 or 94 or something like that when she died. They had, uh, so they had years and I had relationship of years. And um, my mom died after three years of dementia. So one could argue that there was preparation. There was, there was um, that there was, uh, um, <sighs> this has happened to me more and more at 68 about my memory, but that there was more and more, um, uh, Preparation, but but one of the things about having that ease is that they're gone, and all of a sudden I'm 65 and I am close to the edge of the cliff. I mean, I'm close to my own death. I'm in the last quarter of my life, and um, 
they were a protection, Jill, because I could psychologically say there's still another group ahead of me, knowing that's not how it works. It doesn't work that way. But knowing I could still say there's a group ahead of a, a group ahead of me, you know, I mean, it's uh, so. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember feeling like that. Like I looked at this is it, it's sort of also it's a part of yourself. You're starting to in a way I felt necessarily like I'm kind of disappearing. So it's a sort of part of the death of self because our parents are such a huge part of us and our history and our and again, like you said, Alvin, it's not necessarily that way, but there was this mental protection that like, I remember looking going, I'm the next generation. Like I'm the generation that I was looking up at, like my grandmother and I had great grandparents in my life. But I remember saying, what are my kids looking up at now? I'm, I'm now the end of the line mm-hmm. at 45. And so that was really in my mind, like definitely a journey that I've, I've had to go through now that I'm entering into middle agehood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, good Lord, isn't that true? <laughs> I, I thought that was a really good juxtaposition there, though, because as you're sharing your, your, you know, your children's experience there, Jill, and then to juxtapose that out with your reality of losing your parents when you, know, you, you are, are already a senior citizen yourself in terms of that. So having both of those realities, I think is really true. And I think Jill, you, you talked about it kind of that forming who we are is, is, is very different, um, but our parents are our parents forever and they still have that connection to us. And there's a, a piece that they play, as you say, oh, there's things you know, that protective av- avenue of what we wanna do. And you know, when we were preparing for this, there were things you were sharing about what it means to be a man in your 60s that you would like to be able to ask your dad about what it's like to be a man in your 60s that you don't have someone to ask those questions to um, in terms of where you're at and what you're at where you're doing i'd also say though that time uh, i agree with that and i also say that time time also has given me the opportunity to integrate some beautiful things about my parents that Mm might have been too clouded before for instance um my my parents were the second generation that were very very influential in the development of our faith life as a family. You know my grandparents and my parents. And um, while my dad was struggling to sort out the pain in his own life, he would read uh, his favorite psalm every morning and, and pray every morning, trying to sort his own life out. And I I've come to think about that and appreciate that. And you know, uh, my on my uh, wife's side, my mother-in-law and my my dad died a week apart. And on my mother-in-law used to say, you know, about kids, if you think it gets easier when they get older, you got another thing coming. I didn't think she knew what she was talking about. Now with two kids in their thirties, she is a genius, and it is fun to remember her that way. It is fun to remember her. It's heart heartwarming to remember her that way, um, and. Um, the same to remember my dad's sense of uh, uh, faithfulness. No, I think that's that's beautiful because the fact is is that you, there there parts of them do become a part of us, and we we magnify them and expand upon them. You know, bringing our own personalities in there, and then having that memory of them in a way that uh, is is just so powerful and connecting. I think is is really really important. Mm-hmm. I I know for me that, you know, my parents instilled a huge sense of duty and they came from immigrant families into New York, one from Ireland, one from Italy. They were hardworking. Um, 
And so this duty to carry on my responsibility, I lean on those strengths of my parents. And even though it was very, very heavy for about two to three years, because I had one after the other, and there was some relief. My mom was very ill with lung disease and it was horrible. My dad had cancer. There was some relief after they died and there was some preparedness. But after that, the aftermath of it, you know, it, it's been in order to really kind of help motivate me in my grief has been this duty to carry on, to instill those kind of values of my, to, to carry on the traditions that we had. We were just at my sister's house this weekend and all the grandchildren, a great grandchild is here. My sister took a picture and she said, mom would have loved this. She loved her grandchildren so much. So I feel that responsibility to kind of move it forward in a way with, with strength and hope and encourage, encourage to put one step forward after loss, to, to relearn your world, to still try to find hope in the world after, you know, even though it's natural that we're all going to die and lose somebody, it's still the most painful thing that we go through. And I don't think it's ever okay when we love somebody for them to die. So to try to instill that sense of strength. And I, I feel that connection with my parents. You know, I often say I hear my mom's voice when I'm doing my hair, like, are you sure you're gonna wear your hair like that? So that continuing bond, I call it that guilty continuing bond, like I gotta fix my hair. But that 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 leaning on that relationship that that I know in my parents instilled in me this really deep relationship. And it wasn't always happy and everything else. We had some things we negotiated over the years, but that relationship is so powerful to me. And I, I, for me, I reconstructed that and poured it into my work on my book, but it, it is what propels me forward. Their love and their strength and their guidance and our relationship is what propels me forward. Thank you. Um, we have about three minutes left. And so we, we have a giant topic of loss of a parent. So I just wanna give each of you just a minute to kind of, if you have any kind of closing thoughts you'd like to give on you know this this topic that we've tried to cover, but you know in a very brief moment in time. So Al, if you'd take about a minute and just share any closing thoughts you might have. Um, I, this is uh, going back to something that Jill said early on, but it just really had an impact on me, and that is I phrase it as the post twenty four hour companion. Maybe it was you, Glenn, that said it, but I, and I and I'm just taking a moment to think about and be grateful for those people who stayed beyond 24 hours, metaphorically and realistically, and the angels that they became, and there weren't many, there weren't many with my, uh, with my parents, there were more with our son than there was with my parents, but we're not talking, you know, we're not talking a baker's dozen here, we're talking a handful of people, and you just made me think about them, Jill, you just made me think about them and my gratitude for those who stuck in there uh, with us without being asked. They just showed up and made themselves available. So that's all I wanted to add. Thanks, Glenn. And Jill, if you take about a minute and kind of do the same. And I have those superheroes in my life. That's why I wrote in, the, in my book, I wrote the very last chapter, finding superheroes, super and heroes all around us. Because when you're grieving, you can see all the darkness and everything, but sometimes there's beautiful things around you. People kind of step out of the shadows. I remember you know, retitling my father's motorcycle that I inherited and the lady at the DMV, she saw I was struggling and everything else. And she saw I was kind of, um, you know, just trying to, I was really confused. And she saw I was retitling my dad's deceased motorcycle. And she said to me, the first thing she said to me, this was a year after he died, I'm so sorry for your loss. And to me, that was stunning. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, whether it's acknowledging, you know, I've Mother's Day is hard for me. If you know someone that's lost a mother, just send them a little note, send them a card, acknowledge their loss. Um, even if they, they've lost their, even if, see, I haven't said it, even if they've lost their parents in adulthood, we still hurt on those days, those, those days of, of loss reminders for us. So just be a little superhero acts don't have to be huge. They could be little gestures of just hope. I get a card every year um, from a grief organization around anniversaries. And I just love getting that because it acknowledges to say, hey, we're here for you. Thank you. And um, we're going to hand this back off to uh, Heidi and Gloria to keep the conference going. But the final thought I want to leave everyone with is um, all loss is just that. It's very powerful and it's very impactful. Mm -hmm. And if you are struggling with the loss of your parent, honor and respect that loss. And it is real. And the world may not honor and respect it for you, but there are people who do. And we're here with you.